Hello. Thank you for joining me and listening in on this podcast where I interview guests on all things education. My guests will share stories about their educational background, their views on teaching and learning, and where they see education heading. I interview teachers, edtech founders, higher ed folks, and more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Nathie Rodriguez with another education segment. And today I am interviewing Josh Horwat, founder of Beyond Board, which is an educational services company. Hi, Josh. Hi, Nathie. So these segments focus on the education landscape now and also where it's heading. And I'd like to start with what your own education was like. I think my education was really two education. I had my school education, And quite honestly, I don't know that I got very much out of that other than learning the the three R's, as they say, reading, writing, and arithmetic, and not very well because I don't think I'm very good at either of those, any of those. But I think my real education took place in a few unique circumstances that I went through in my life. So I would say number one was when I was 16. I got in big trouble in high school and my parents didn't really know what to do with me. So they sent me on an outward bound trip and I spent two weeks in the Canadian wilderness paddling a canoe with a bunch of other troubled youth, troubled boys. And we had to make camp every night and cook our dinners and sleep in tents and use the bathroom in the woods. And that was a really intense experience for me. And I I knew at the time that it was a great experience, but it didn't really unfold to me what kind of education that was until later on down the road. And I realized that that gave me my first real dose of self-confidence as a boy. I went through all of these experiences that were really challenging and really difficult. And I'd never had that opportunity to push myself and find out how much I could really deal with. I remember there was one part of this trip where we had to, uh, it's called portage. We had to lift our canoes over our shoulders and walk it across land when you want to cross from you know one lake to another. And it happened to be that this portage was about a kilometer and a half long. And these canoes were not light at all. And I remember being really afraid of doing this because I knew how much it was going to hurt and how painful it was going to be. But there was no option. We had to do it. I lifted it up and I made my way across this kilometer long mud pit. It was this very muddy trail and it was hard to get across. I I was sore and in pain afterwards, but I felt so good about myself that I could do this. And I'd never had that opportunity to really push myself like that. So I constantly look back at that experience as being one of the most important educational experiences I've ever had. The other one was just after high school. I had met in school this man who was the great-grandson of Charles Darwin on one side and Lord Maynard Keynes on the other. And he was this eccentric English guy who used to go and make films in the outback in Africa. And he would bring along a group of guys with him to kind of help him with the menial labor task that he had arthritis and he couldn't like set up camp and stuff like that. So I went on this trip with him and a few other guys and we spent six weeks driving across four countries in Africa, sleeping on the ground, 
underneath the stars, cooking our food over the fire, and just generally looking for all kinds of adventures. And although it wasn't quite the same as Outward Bound in terms of like the labor of it, being in a completely different country, in a completely different environment, and just having really ourselves to rely on, because this old man that we were with was really like one of the kids, that also was an incredible learning experience, especially with how to get along with the group and how to work through all kinds of problems and challenges. And, you know, there's more, but those some of those took place after school. So I won't call those part of my education. I mean, my education is ongoing. It never stops. But I really look at those two experiences as being really critical, much more so than being in school or any particular class. Got it. Given that you've had these two distinct educations, one more formal with the three R's and then this outdoor experience where you learn to work with others and probably built a lot of self-awareness skills and really challenged yourself physically and mentally to overcome something. Is it possible, in your opinion, to have these experiences both in one environment? I mean, I guess, how do we create that for our students if we assume that that those two are valuable? That's a great question, Nati. And, And I've asked myself that many times. I think that in my work as an educational therapist, that's what I'm striving to create with each kid that I work with. Because I know that really when it comes down to it, it's not about the academic experience so much. I really don't think that that's what our lives are about. And I don't think that that creates a lot of meaning in our lives. I think when kids are trying to understand what the world is about, they're not looking at their textbooks or their math class or their science class. And I think that if they happen to be blessed with a really phenomenal teacher, it's because that teacher understands that there's something that goes beyond the particular curriculum that they're learning and they're able to help give those kids some sort of insight into life that they want. So to answer that, I think that there are lots and lots of little things that people can do. I think the first thing that schools or teachers or institutions can do is first understand that it's not about the content that they deliver. It's about the relationships they create with other people. When you're working off of relationships and you're looking at ways to improve those relationships or help people become better at relating to other people and relating to themselves, most importantly, you'll find lots of little ways that you can approach that would accomplish the same thing that you would get in the outback in Canada. Of course, some of the physical challenges I think are really important as well. Some of that sense of adventure and danger is really important. And that's not something that you can get in a classroom necessarily. So that part, I'm still looking to figure out how we can recreate here in the education system. Have you come across anything that seems to do that? No. In fact, your story reminded me of an organization that I participated in called National Outdoor Leadership School, which recreates the same thing. I I think it started with young adults. However, now they do these uh, expeditions for professionals and for organizations that are wanting to create this intense environment outside of a work workspace or school. And it's a really tough experience. And the idea is to really confront your own limiting thoughts and um, go beyond your what you think you're physically capable of, and as well as like what you think you can mentally endure. And I, I don't know how to recreate that in the classroom. I will say that an added benefit that I think might be increasingly important is of unplugging, right? If, if you're out in wilderness, the likelihood of being able to be connected is quite low. And I don't know that kids are used to that. I mean, at 
maybe there are pockets, but most students that I see now are constantly in communication uh, with everyone, with their peers, with their teachers, with their parents. And I don't know how strong those social ties are necessarily, even though they're constant. That's a great point. And I think as much as we rail on technology and, and kids being addicted to screens, We also forget that going past, whether it's blue light that's hurting them or they lose their ability to focus and concentrate, we also forget that they also don't get quiet time to step out of communication and kind of step out of their head for a little bit and experience things around them quietly. And I think that that is an incredibly important space to be able to cultivate. And and I think a lot of adults are are realizing that. I mean, we see a a lot of meditation uh, becoming very prevalent and people taking time to quiet down. And I think it's harder for kids to do that or to get that and to regulate that time for themselves. So you're absolutely right. And given that we talked about the different forms of education and trying to come up with models that are kind of integrating both, what do you think is the purpose of education? Is it to create these environments or is that those other experiences, are they to be acquired somewhere else outside of the school? That's also a good question. I think it's unfair to put on school everything that education should be because life is education and it's not all going to take place in school. And school is also just the container for a lot of education that's going to happen organically that happens out on the recess yard or between students or in between classes or those conversations that take place between kids while the teacher's back is turned and writing on the board. And that's not something that we can regulate or codify or curriculumize or whatever. That's a great point. However, given that kids spend a tremendous amount of time for the first 18 years of their life in school, it it is really important for us to understand what education is and what it should be. And the time that they are with those teachers, what is it that they should be focusing on? And I think more and more that it's really less about the content that is delivered to them right now. And I think the overall purpose of education boils down to the old philosophical adage of know thyself. I think we're all going through life and every single one of our most important purposes is to understand who we are and how we fit into the world and how we operate and where we belong and what we have to give and to be connected with, you know, our subconscious and our internal world and to connect that with our external world. And I think that lots and lots of kids have no vocabulary for this kind of thing at all. I think it's foreign to them. It's funny, uh, my wife was telling me about this show that she was watching last night about uh, some Netflix show, Girls in Lockup or something like that. And she was talking about how there was a psychologist who was sitting with the girls and she told the girls to put their fingers on their necks and feel their pulse. The psychologist said something like, this is you, like meet yourself, this is your existence. She was saying how a lot of these girls started crying. And I realized that so many kids don't ever enter this realm of discussion or talking or thinking. It's just foreign to them. How sad is that, that there's people that are so disconnected from themselves that don't have any kind of vocabulary or or inner internal dialogue with themselves about who they are. I, I think that that leads to a lot of pain or confusion or unhappiness in life. So I think that first and foremost, education is really about helping children develop the tools 
to communicate with themselves and understand themselves. And then, you know, a little bit of math is important. Literacy is tremendously important. We've sacrificed a lot of literacy. I think kids need to learn how to read and write and communicate much better than they do now. That can't be overstated. That fundamental ability to connect with yourself really exists only when you have a vocabulary, when you have the ability to, to think big ideas. And the only way that you can develop that is through being exposed to other thoughts and ideas and communication and reading. I think that, you know, literacy and know thyself. To your point about knowing yourself and figuring out how to Teaching is not the right word, but how to build, how to create that in the classroom. I have seen some organizations that are creating assessments for social, emotional intelligence and awareness and kind of getting students thinking about what skills they're good at and where their interests lie so they can kind of nudge them in a direction. I'm curious what your thoughts are on those. And, and the ones that I've seen are basically online tools that students work through on their own. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. And also uh, what I struggle with is this idea that kids are able to answer those questions when they're really young and whether it's too soon to be assessing them on those things when they haven't had an opportunity to explore. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's ever too soon to start assessing kids on those things because as soon as a baby is born, they're relating to their world socially. So, you know, it all needs to be in line with their age and their developmental stage, but it's never too soon. My concern is that the fundamental key, most fundamental part of learning is active engagement. No learning takes place if you're not attuned or interested in what you're learning. So, and I find that online tools do not create a great atmosphere for active engagement. You might have some kids who are really interested in that content or whatever it is that they're seeing online, but most kids tend to tune out, especially because they're so used to having much more engaging games or shows or whatever it is, apps that they use on those same screens. So as soon as you turn on some educational technology for them that is asking them questions and they have to click uh, multiple choice boxes, they're usually tuned out. And even if the ed tech company is savvy enough to have little um, you know, games or, or uh, animations along with it, it's usually mostly shtick doesn't really create that that sense of engagement. And, and more importantly, if we're talking about creating social emotional awareness and tools, well, social emotional is all about interperson engagement, or maybe it is self-reflection, but it's kind of ironic that we're trying to teach that through a computer where a person doesn't have to interact with anyone else. You know, it seems very contrived <laughs> to have that kind of to be teaching that sort of thing with the computer. In my work, I find that I'm able to accomplish a lot with kids, first and foremost, because I create a relationship with them. In fact, when I meet a new student, whenever I work with a new student, I tell parents that I'm not going to do any academic work with your kid for a while. And you're going to see me playing games and doing things that don't seem like they're worth your money. But I have to create a really strong connection with them. And the only way I can do that is to just hang around with them and get to know them. And that needs to happen organically. It's not like I have a little, here's my five minute get to know you game and then let's move on. I really have to understand them as a person and they have to understand me and we have to build some level of trust before we can 
push into other areas that are difficult for this person. So I think that one-on-one relationships are are the key to teaching that kind of thing. Without that, I'm sure you can have some measure of success. I, I wouldn't say, you know, scrap the program, it's worthless, but I would say that it reminds me of when, when school started adopting iPads a few years back and saying that the iPads were going to revolutionize uh, learning and the iPads were going to be the solution to everything because now all their books would be on the iPads and everything would be interactive and the kids would love it and it would be so engaging and they would all become little geniuses. And that's not what happened. Uh, the iPad wasn't the solution. And I don't think in the social emotional realm that computers or, you know, online curriculum will be the solution. I think they can maybe be, maybe <laughs> be somewhat of a helpful tool. But I mean, even in yours and my experience together, working together with Teen Startup Academy, I think that so much of what we accomplished with that was because we didn't have a textbook. We didn't have any articles for kids to read. There was no online content for them to get through. It was extremely one-on-one. It was very up close and personal. But because of that, I think that they accomplished a lot. Yes. And just to provide a little background, Josh and I co-founded Teen Startup Academy along with a couple other colleagues where we helped high school students launch businesses. It was a seven-week after-school program. We mentored them and guided them through the process of launching their idea. That meant getting customers, gaining traction, and every student came in with a different idea. So it took a lot of effort to find the right people to come in and give them advice on the industry, to have them listen to their own ideas, and to guide them from ideas to pitching in front of investors and a large group of people in Silicon Beach area. And what I remember about you, Josh, is that the students that came in that you brought in were just fully on board because you were involved. So this point that you made about trust, that students can engage fully and really open themselves up when they have this relationship with an adult and another person in their life that really sees them. Yeah. Those kids that you brought in, yeah. they, they knew they were known by you when they were in the room. So that was wonderful to see. Yeah, it's important. It's really important. I think that every, I think everyone there though understood that need. I mean, I think that that was kind of core, even though it, maybe we hadn't had stated it explicitly. I think everyone fundamentally understood that, and and that's why the thing worked so well. Yes, yes, I agree. So, in your opinion, what do you think education is getting right right now? You know, look, it works. It serves its intended purpose. And I think, I think people who really delve into understanding what the intended purpose of education is, and this is maybe where what I believe takes a little bit of a conspiratorial bent, I think education does an incredible job of getting it right. We do have a public school system that manages to educate to some degree the vast majority of the children in the United States. I think that the way it was set up and by the people who set up the education system, they understood that they did not want to create young scholars. They did not want to create independent thinking young minds. And we don't do that. So I think the education system works very well. I think that most people misunderstand what that public education system was designed to do. 
And I think that if you ever have an experience with stepping into an elite private school that trains some of the future elites of this country, you'll see the stark differences between those schools and and public school. And, and you can start to understand what the purpose of public schools are. But I think, Nati, what you mean is like, what are we doing well? You know, we do literacy kind of well, not not very well, not as well as we should. I think a lot of the curriculum, a lot of the education has suffered, but I think that Common Core has some pretty good elements to it. And, and I think maybe if it sticks around and, and doesn't get switched out in the next 10 years, it, it'll probably or hopefully make a good impact. You know, I'm not really good at forecasting these things and I, I don't pay super close attention to them, but I, I have seen Common Core math. I work on with a lot of students who have Common Core math and I really like the way that they present math. It really does make you think a lot more about numbers and math. So if every element of Common Core is well thought out like the math, then, you know, maybe there is a little bit of hope for some of the academic parts of, of our current education system. Got it. Great. Thank you. I have a question about what you teach your own children. What are the top three things that you like to pass on to your children or that, that you live by? Wow. Um, okay. Well, let's start with this. I have three children. My oldest is a boy. He just turned 12 on Sunday. And I have two girls. The next one is 10 years old, uh, actually 11 years old. She just turned 11 recently. I'm forgetting all their their ages because they all just had birthdays recently. And my youngest just turned seven. There's one thing, one consistent thing that my wife and I have always taught our kids has paid off tremendously. And I, I hear this from people around me constantly and I see this between them. From the time that they were old enough to understand words and had siblings, we drilled into their heads one thing over and over and over again. And you can even test my kids. If you run into them on the street, you can say, what's your job? And they'll give you the same answer. So we always said to them, your job is to take care of your brother and sister over and over again. You have no other job but to take care of your brother and sister. There's nothing more important than taking care of your brother and sister. There's going to be lots of people in your life. Nobody's going to be more important than your brother or sister. And this stuck with them. And they know it. Like all we have to do is look at them and say, are you doing your job? And it clicks. Um, and I think more than that, more than this just being like a repeated phrase is that they've learned that they really are a cohesive unit and they really take care of each other. I, I can trust my older son or my older daughter who, who are sometimes forgetful and they're still kids and everything to really look out for one another. And and sometimes when they fight at home, when they're able to kind of like let down their guard and, and, they, and they bicker and stuff like that, like kids do, I always hear that when they go to other people's houses or when they're with my parents or they're out somewhere, these kids look out for each other like parents uh, and they're incredible. So I can say that that's one thing that we've taught them well. Um, there's lots of other things that we've tried to teach them and, and hopefully some of them will stick and be good. But, you know, that's one thing that we deliberately decided on. And, and I think that we succeeded with. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. Thanks. Thank you for sharing. So I'd like to hear about your organization Beyond Board. Uh, how did it come about? What services do you provide? And what does your everyday look like? Okay, sure. 
I started Beyond Board in 2015 after kind of wrapping up 10 years of working in schools and in the classroom. I had finished my master's in special education and educational therapy, and I'd been working with some private clients before then. Uh, but I decided that I could do what I do best much better if I was working on my own. And, and it was also kind of a challenge to myself that I felt like I had to get out from under working for a salary and working underneath a, a bureaucracy that I, I really criticized a lot and felt like there were a lot of problems with education, but I had to step up and do something about it. So uh, I didn't start my own school, but I did start my own private practice. I'm an educational therapist. And I guess in short, really what that means is that I work with kids who have problems in school, whether they're related to having a learning disability or some social emotional problem or anything. They're not functioning the way they should be in school. And parents bring me in to help kids solve these problems. So Beyond Board came out of this fundamental belief that no session that I have with a kid should be boring. I started creating these little challenges for myself to make sure that every session would be fun and interesting. And I had a, a good friend of mine, a business mentor also helped me come up with the name. And that's where it came out of. So when I, you know, any session that I approach, I really believe that A, it needs to be fun and memorable. Nobody's going to learn anything if, if sessions are are boring and tedious. And two, it really needs to be about uh, you know, what we were talking earlier is that it needs to provide meaning and value to a kid's life. And it's not just about their academics. It's not about them getting a high grade in school. So my practice is really oriented towards working with building up character and personality of children, along with helping remediate whatever academic challenges they're having as well. Got it. Yes. And I love the name. Thank you. It's a great name. And it's, I think what I like the most about it is that re it reminds you of your kind of your goal in every session. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what other projects are you working on or what challenges are you taking on with the onboard or outside of that? Okay. So that's a, a good question because I, I have been building up a new project with Beyond Board, you know, ever since Teen Startup Academy, the idea of working with kids in a, in a more significant way than academics or even the one-on-one -on -one work that I do with them that I feel goes far beyond academics. Um, I, I've been looking for a new way of, of working with groups of kids and it all kind of ties together with, you know, what we were talking about Outward Bound or National Outdoor Leadership School. And also some things in, in the media currently, you know, events that have happened. So I work with lots of boys and I see common things among these boys. A lot of them don't have a vocabulary or a language of what it is to be a boy and how to be a boy. And a lot of them don't have the direction or the guidance that they need to be a boy. And sometimes it's because fathers are very busy and not very present in their lives to teach them those things. Sometimes it's kind of societal. It's because they are in school and, and school doesn't provide them with that kind of education. School is more about um, academics. So they are lacking certain things. Sometimes it's 
how to communicate with other people. Sometimes it's it's self-confidence. And I think we've seen lots of examples of what happens when when boys don't get what they need as boys, when they're depressed or when they are lacking good mentors or when they're ignored, when they feel like they are invisible. So I'm working on a program called Beyond Board Boys. That's the working title for now. And I'm looking to create something that's I, you know, I guess the best way to describe it would be like an outward, an urban outward bound type program. So some of it would create physical challenges for them so they can start to build their own strength and power. And some of it is also social emotional growth as well. So they can, they can learn how to become responsible and competent and disciplined young people as well, and and hopefully grow into really amazing men. That's great. I'm excited to hear more about this program. And uh, where can people find you if they want to look up Beyond Board or um, enlist your services or learn more about you and what you're working on? So the the easiest way to find me is uh, my website, www.beyondboard.org. And that's B-O-R-E-D beyond board. Yeah, that's really the best way. Uh, you know, look me up on Facebook as well. Beyond board is there and uh, can reach out and I'm happy to talk to anybody. Great. Thank you so much, Josh. Um, this has been wonderful and I'm excited to hear where beyond board boys goes. Awesome. My pleasure. Thank you, Nati. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. This is Nati Rodriguez and I leave you with my favorite quote by Albert Einstein. The significant problems we face today cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them.